Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm really delighted that we can bring Ricardo Garcia Bahamond to the show today. Not the first time that you've been on, Ricardo. The difference is this time I'm welcoming you as, as a colleague and as a member of our, our accessibility team at, at Atos. So I'm exploiting my privilege here a little bit uh, to have you on. Um, it's been a while since our Access Chat audience have um, seen you. So maybe you want to give us the, the history and the background of you know, where you've come from, what you did before you ended up in my, my ragtag team of, of, <laughs> of crazy accessibility warriors. Hi, thank you, Neil. Hello, uh, hello, Antonio and Deborah. Uh, hello, everyone, and uh, thanks for having me on today. It's a, it's a great pleasure to be back at Access Chat. It's been quite a long time, and uh, many things uh, have happened since since then. Uh, we were talking about that earlier. So um, just to give you a big, uh, brief uh, background of uh, where I'm coming from, I, I started uh, in, in this area of uh, accessibility and the and inclusion of persons with disabilities and everything related to technology in that sense back in 2004. Right? I was in, in, into consulting, business intelligence, all that stuff. And uh, someone uh, offered me a, a position at, within the Onta Foundation for Latin America. I had no idea back then about accessibility. I had no idea about disability, about blind people, and uh, it was a it was an amazing experience spending almost four years there, um, leading projects uh, basically for Latin America, for the uh, inclusion of, of blind people, visually impaired people in, in Latin American countries, uh, in areas like like uh, education and, and employment and entrepreneurship, and then I uh, later stage I moved on to uh, to other areas within uh, within the foundation business group mainly, and uh, that's where we started uh, doing all these projects for the in the European Union space, but also uh, started exploring uh, what was going on in the U.S. Right, so that's back in 2010 and 2011, more or less. Uh, what's going on in the U.S. Right, so uh, I remember traveling to to Washington D.C. Back then, and um, meeting and uh, reaching out actually to someone, uh, Katie Harrido, she that she was the first person I met in the U.S. A well-known uh, accessibility expert, very very respected, and uh, she introduced me to Deborah, and uh, that's how the, all this started. We uh, you know started talking and uh, getting in touch with other people in turn and uh, being introduced or introducing each other. To, to more and more people and exploring uh, new possibilities in, in the US. Uh, so that was uh, late 2015 that I was offered a position with uh, Georgia Tech at uh, AMAC Accessibility with Dr. Christopher Lee and uh, in, in Atlanta, Georgia. So I moved there and uh, stayed there for three years. And uh, so we, Deborah and I worked together in several projects and um, and it was really an amazing, an amazing opportunity and great, great learning experience. And uh, being able to work with with so many universities and uh, organizations in, in the United States, sharing law, uh, knowledge, but also learning, as I said, a lot, a lot. And um, 
and also having the opportunity to talk about this in many different uh, international venues, right? like the like Enabling Summit, but also Access Israel Conference and uh, many others here in Europe and, and also in Latin America. And in 2018, I moved back to Spain and uh, since then until uh, just recently joined ATUS, uh, I, I worked uh, as a consultant, as an independent consultant for many different organizations like the International Telecommunications Union and the ILO and the G3ICT as well, or projects for the World Bank and projects for, for different governments. And uh, all of them around uh, accessible, digital accessibility, um, inclusion, policies. So, um, as I said, I joined uh, back in uh, just last November. I joined Atos as head of um, accessibility and digital inclusion in Iberia, supporting uh, everything in that area in, uh, in Spain and Portugal. And uh, very excited to uh, having joined uh, an amazing team of, of, of experts, uh, Neil, Antonio, and many others. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's a really challenging um, um, uh, effort that we are trying to spearhead here, but uh, very exciting at the same time. Lots to do. And um, I'm, I'm totally positive about, you know, what we are going to be able to pull out and, uh, and make possible here in Spain and, and also in other countries. So that's uh, pretty much in a nutshell what um, what I've been doing in the last few years. I would like to, yeah, I just like make one comment. You know, one I know they need to mute me, but already. But one thing that I love about your background, Ricardo, and you are definitely a very dear friend. I love your wife and your son, but I love that you have a background working with an NGO that's really focused, a global NGO, ONSE, that is focused um, from that perspective. Then you worked for one of the largest universities in the world, and then you try, and then you were also an entrepreneur, and now you're working for one of our largest corporations. And I'm fascinated by all of those experiences and how good that is for our industry. But I also want to say, I sort of, bullied Neil to have this conversation because one thing that I'm seeing is once again, as we have the beautiful, valuable 500 and all those corporations committing to us as well as ATOS, how do we really do this? Because what I'm seeing most organizations do is if they do have a person for accessibility, it's usually just a collateral duty. Or if you're lucky to have a little team, you're just focused on accessibility testing, which is great but it's not big enough to really move us forward and really include us, meaning the community of people with disabilities. So I asked Neil if we couldn't just talk about the team that he's putting together. And I just want to say that I was confused when I first met Antonio because Antonio is not who I normally see in the accessibility field. And Antonio, I'd never seen anybody as good on social media as Antonio. He's taught me a lot over the years, but I was fascinated that Atos would have someone like Antonio on the accessibility team. And now others have followed your lead. We see it at Google. We see it at Amazon. We see it at Microsoft, uh, Verizon, where people are saying, no, we really need somebody in the marketing and branding, but not just to tell us a bunch of crap, but actually engage us in the conversations. So I just wanted to interrupt and say that. So back to you, Neil. So, well, thank you. I mean, I, 
I think that the the thing is that we want to achieve systemic change because you can fix the accessibility of a product or you can change the systems that make those products. So, so I've spent a lot of time trying to build a team of people that are communicators and connectors and ideas people and leaders. Um, and the, for me, that's one of the things I'm, I'm looking for people that can really add value. And I'm particularly attracted to people that are a bit different and uh, are prepared to take risks that are uh, have unusual profiles. Um, I think that that's, you know, that's something I, you know, I'm a bit like a Pied Piper for that. Um, but I do also think that that we you know we want to we want to go beyond just testing we want but to can go you mind to creating that a little bit what do you mean what do you, i know what you mean when you say that when you say i want to hire leaders i want to hire people that are looking at these things a little differently do you mind just grounding that comment a little bit and i would just use a word like alexandra for example no, that's a i name. mean that's a name of a person. That, that is, is, but I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricardo yeah. was one of the first people I ever saw yeah. in my field, in, in, in when I was as a, in the field, that was trying to connect all the dots. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so, fascinated by him. And it was like, I was so glad Katie introduced us. But yeah. so, you were so, doing it different. So, I, so why, do I, why am I interested in people that uh, have a different perspective? But, well, because we haven't got anywhere by taking the same route so i want people that can look at things differently i want people like ricardo that are ultimate connectors i would like antonio so ricardo and antonio have different skill sets but they have the the ability to connect disparate themes and people in common Great. right and accessibility is a thread woven in the fabric of societies and and, and inside our organizations and we need people that can connect that because we cannot do it all ourselves. So, so what I'm looking for is a build, a, you know, a, a, a sort of critical mass of people that can lead and that can spread ideas, because because we can't do it all ourselves. We need to have that trust from other people that this is something that they wish to do, and have a, a, a develop frameworks within which to do it. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Ricardo, for example, is working on procurement. So. So, I mean, Ricardo can talk more about that than I can. And where we work, again, I'm working with Ricardo on, you know, organizational maturity. Right. And, and I mean, if I may say something here, so, so uh, I think you're, you're spot on on that. We've talked uh, many, many times, we've said, uh, in these all these uh, international events, uh, we are uh, we're preaching to the choir, right? Because it's always the same, you know, New places, same old faces, or not actually new places either, right? So what happens with uh, talking about this to people that are not familiar or know nothing about accessibility, about inclusion, uh, this is all alien to them. So that needs to be done not only externally, like let's talk to customers, let's talk to partners, but how about internally, right? The folks that we to sit next to that actually do this stuff every day how are we helping them do this in accessible way how do they how do we help them 
you know, become familiar with all this and really understand the, the value that they can add to this whole effort, right? That their contribution to the community and to this, uh, you know, to this global effort in uh, depolluting, if you want, uh, of uh, inaccessibility, the, or the whole digital world or the whole ICT technological world, if you want, right? So uh, those are very, very important conversations that we need to have and uh, figure out how we do that in the most effective way. Because obviously uh, there's only so many of us here in this, in this field. We know each, many of us know each other, known each other for years. And it looks like, uh, hey, we can only do so much in this limited time we have, right? How can we scale this, right? We talk about scale all the time, right? We, so we see, uh, you know, all this, uh, you know, uh, 10x, um, let's say, current going on, the exponential organizations, organizations that are growing at 10x rates. How can we do that? How can we achieve that with accessibility? Is there a way to do that? Because we see at the same time, we're seeing that the pace of, uh, you know, digital transformation, that's what we do at Atos, is picking up, you know, tremendously. But how about how accessibility or digital accessibility is picking up? Is it picking up the same pace? No. I mean, you just need to compare, you know, stats out there or even web searches. This is not scientific, but, but you can just see that, you know, by comparison, the degree of interest in one thing or the other, right? In terms of, okay, I want to, you know, take on a digital transformation um, uh, strategy because it's obvious everybody's going digital. It's important. Everybody's talking about that. Right? I can't be out of that, right? But how about accessibility? That is so important. That's such an important component. So everybody's got in, interiorized, has have interiorized the importance of uh, data protection, cybersecurity, all these things, right? How about accessibility? It's not... And let's be honest, it's not perceived as uh, as important or as, uh, or as, as, as with a risk associated to it as the other issues, right? And at the same time, we can see it as, as a, everything that has to do with disability inclusion. We can see that um, other, let's say, inclusion items like, like gender, of course, like LGBT, like ethnicity, and of course, uh, the, all the environmental um, uh, stuff, all that has been interiorized in most countries, right? At least in, well, I would say in the West, but also in most countries worldwide. Most countries are taking steps or at least have acquired this conscience or awareness that this is all this is important. We're the 21st century now. But how about disability? How about accessibility? What's going on? Why isn't it following you know, the same pace? So the, all this, all these conversations are the ones that we need to have with people, with with our teams, with our colleagues, the people that we, as again, that we work together with, just to sit next to, and obviously to be able to talk about this outside, out there in, in the world. And, and and so Ricardo talked a little bit about pollution, and and and, and you know, credit where credit is due. The, the, the idea of treating exclusion like pollution came from Jim Tobias, who's one of the elder statesmen of, of accessibility. And what what he did was he lit my head up with ideas. And, and, and I love the idea. And then it, it became, well, how do we actually use this concept to become 
something that we can apply to enable us to scale. So, so within our organization, we're really, really big on sustainability. We're CDPA rated, we're top of the DJSI. We have an infrastructure within our organization that does this stuff and we do it well. And so rather than build from the ground up accessibility and pull against some of the stuff that's already happening, what, what mm-hmm. the conscious decision that I made and that, that, that was agreed collectively with the business that we follow the same path and that we, we actually really build this into our, our way of working. So we have the same kind of reporting structure with the boards and the various different roles and responsibilities across our organization to deliver that. And that's both internal and external. We've aligned that. Um, and this is going to be unusual for Access Chat. I'm actually going to share a screen for a moment. I don't normally do slides on Access Chat, but I think that since um, since we're doing this, um, Today, it's probably a good idea for me to actually show you what I'm talking about. So we have, as a company, uh, being French, we have a raison d'etre, right? That's our sense of purpose, right? And and part of it is to, you know, have, is, you know, building a trusted and safe digital space. And that means safe for everyone and sustainable and accessible. We also have a program, which is our sort of cultural program, and we have a set of values and and one of those five values is inclusive and you know we have audacious and responsible and united right so these are these are you know valuable values that everyone can buy into but they're also values that match with the stuff that we're doing so accessibility kind of like pollution so we had some frameworks we needed to address them think of smog you think you know it's tangible right when we don't include that in the cost that people pay for the good, it's, uh, it's the individuals that pay, right? So we are trying to remove that as digital organizations, as Ricardo says, there's an increasing amount of inaccessibility because as we create more and more digital assets, we're not making them accessible from inception. So the last thing we want to do and the least effective thing that we can do is go around chasing after these new things, trying to fix them. We need to have a different approach. We need to be looking at this in terms of culture change and system change, right? And and when you do this properly and you design inclusively, and I'm not just talking about products here, but I'm talking about organizations and management systems, then you can create positive externalities, right? So we need these frameworks and we are applying that kind of framework within our own organization. So I'll skip through some of these, but this is how we align with our governance, right? Because we have ESG, right? This is environment, social and uh, and governance. This is how large organizations do sustainability, right? And accessibility is the social, social impact. It's social good, good for people. Right? At the same time, you can't deliver at a, a systemic level without governance. And, and, and that's the thing. What, what we have is lots of pockets of good practice, not systemic 
ways of doing things. Some organizations are trying to put this in. We're not alone in that respect, but but essentially mapping it to ESG. And even so with the governance, even in the environmental, it's the disabled people that are most affected by environmental disasters and climate change. So all of this you know, is reflected in our program. We have mission statements, principles, I'm rushing through this, because actually I wanted to get to this slide which is actually how you synthesize this within all of the other corporate programs. And, and this is that we have our purpose. So our raison d'etre is that bit, that ring around the outside. It's people, it's our purpose, it's the planet. But also, as a company, we need to make profits. And that's not a bad thing. Profitability is a good thing, right? What we need to do is ensure that we are more profitable from doing the good things than doing the bad things, right? Because then it becomes attractive, even to the people that don't really care. But then you can also see that CSR, diversity, accessibility have some overlaps, but they're complementary. So you've got things like reporting and compliance, because we've all got laws that we need to adhere to. So why duplicate? Then you've got social good and the SDGs and employee culture and experience, etc. And we've actually, looking at co-opting the the model that they use to decarbonization which is looking at different scopes so you've got direct you know the stuff that we make and the, the resources and products and so on that are in our control so we can design and produce accessible and improve our capabilities at that which is why you know i've got people like ricardo people like john hicks in france beatrice gonzalez Miguel in germany very german name that um then um, Vishal Pujar in India, Jim Smith covering for UK and Ireland. These are you know, the leaders in the space that are helping us do this. And then we've got indirect. So we're looking at procurement, like Ricardo mentioned before, trying to get our suppliers and our partners to do this. And then influence through things, actually like the Valuable 500, through the ILO, through outreach and communications and our networks to influence the whole value chain so that we're creating not just systemic change within our own organization, but within the the ecosystems. And, and so that's what's sort of floats our boat, if you like, um, and, and how we really sort of address it and are trying to address it within our organization and with partners and outside. So, so if you wanted to know why the team that we've built is quite different, this kind of explains it. And what's fascinating about what you're doing, and I've been watching you build this over the years, but what I know that I have talked to a lot of corporations in the, in the United States and criticism that they give to me often about the accessibility field is that the vendors, and, and I'm one of those vendors, don't really understand the complexity of these gigantic organizations. And they just don't understand that, for example, just because you're a chief accessibility officer and you tell a business unit to do XYZ, yeah, they're not going to do it. So I worked in large corporations for years because before I became an entrepreneur for years. So I understand how corporations work. Everybody thinks, oh, you're a billion dollar corporation, Atos. Give us some money. It doesn't work that way. And so I'm fascinated because what I'm seeing 
often in the States is we're just looking at it from compliance. And by the way, we need to be compliant with our laws. I agree with what you said, Neil, but we need to be more creative in these because we accessibility and inclusion can be very beneficial to a corporation and their clients. But I don't see other groups doing what you're doing. There are a few groups that I see. I, Google's doing some very interesting things. Microsoft is always interesting. But I still don't see the innovation coming from the accessibility um, teams, from the corporations or from the vendors, not the innovation. And I'm not, uh, I'm part of the industry. I'm talking to myself too. But I thought it was so interesting, though, how y'all are doing it. Because, Neil, why did you bring Antonio in? We'd never heard of anybody from marketing coming into this. Sorry. But, but let, let me comment on, on something that you said. You know, uh, we, we, we need to uh, learn some lessons, some, some failures that we had over the last 20 years in the area of diversity. You know, we are talking of, about diversity for so many years. And sometimes it always seems that we are starting, you know. So a, a fancy job title is not going to make an organization change, even if that looks really nice for PR. You need to gain internal some. You need to gain internal reputation. You might you you might not have that fancy job title, but you you have that reputation, and if you have that internal reputation, people will do things, uh, and that's that internal reputation is sometimes more important repeating myself, done the, that fancy job title. Uh, and, and, and you need to be there to, to help people. You cannot just go away and dictate people what to do. You, you need to convert them and convince them. You need to be a friend. You need to be there for them when they need help. You need, you need to support them, you know. It, they have the journey, and you, you, need, you need to understand that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I well fully said. agree. I, I think that... If I can go back to Deborah's question as to why, Antonio? Well, because, again, I like people that are curious. And, 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 you know, we live in a state of constant and accelerating change. People that are naturally curious, that naturally connect to people, are going to be the key to organizational survival, Right forget accessibility just the key to being remaining relevant so that's why i mean i was interested in what antonio was doing and you know we you know we connected on some shared values and 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 i was super interested in social media because actually again wanting to connect with the community and and bring these things together because you can't do them alone so i saw the value in his knowledge and his curiosity, which is why we started working together and how we ended up forming Access Chat with, with you. And likewise, it's that curiosity, the um, energy to, to want to change things, the, um, again, the, I'm not going to say necessarily charisma because i think it's it's the 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 ability to bring people with you right the that is what i really seek out in people in the team because we you know it's about the art of persuasion and because we we can't you know despite having a policy we have a policy it says you must do this 
But the reality is, you have you, you know, as much as you mandate stuff, you still have to persuade and you know get it into people's minds that they wish to do this. You bring them along, and 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 some of that is why we create conceptual models because not everybody wants you know to do it because it's the right thing. You know, that's why it's important for us to make profit. You know, we're a we're a private in you know publicly floated organization we have to make profit to survive so it's it's an important factor in what we do um and to what antonio says it was an important part of you know me and accessibility gaining credibility internally within the organization that we could be profitable so it wasn't then seen as oh well this is something we need to do for positioning it was business and that's the difference yeah that's powerful that's so powerful and other corporations like learning from corporations you know i know that um working in a corporation many years and also being an entrepreneur a small entrepreneur for gigantic corporations the corporations are always worried appropriately that the small vendors aren't going to be able to meet all their needs. And also I think a mistake we also make in the accessibility field is telling corporations like an ATOS that has, I don't know, 200,000 employees all over the world. I can't even, yeah. How many countries you're in, all the cultures that have to be considered, all the diversity and equity. And we, I just think we think about accessibility too small, which is why I'm fascinated with the ATOS team. Um, and I give a lot of credit to you, Neil, as the leader of the team. But also, I give credit to some of your bosses that really supported you that are now at other gigantic brands. So, whoa. So, what's going to happen with those brands? Because they know accessibility and inclusion is important. So, Corporations need to learn from other corporations. That's one thing I loved when Antonio at the beginning at Access Chat, he kept bringing Siemens into the conversation. Siemens, Siemens, Siemens. And I was fascinated what Siemens was doing, especially when they were focused on really making sure that they were supporting women. And the other day, I'll just make one more comment. The other day, I had um, a a training organization reach out to me that trains diversity and inclusion. And they said, Oh, we'd love to have you do our courses. And so of course, you know what question I'm going to ask them. So when you're doing diversity and inclusion, tell me what you're covering. And so they were covering African-American women, LGBT. And I said, well, what are y'all going to do for the largest disability? I mean, the largest diversity group, even though we could argue women are the largest, but we're not, we're we're the majority. There are more women in the world than men. We're just treated like minorities. That's a whole nother fight. But the reality is we have 1.2 to 1.7 billion people with disabilities. It doesn't mean we all have access problems, but what are you doing? Please design your systems for us humans. So I like that your team, and I know so many of your team, the Alexanders, the Jims, the Mark, Urban. I mean, the Mark. Mark. Thank you. And Mark Urban is works in the United States government. So, hey, Mark, uh, Mark Wilcock, he's he's our future. So I just love how you're pulling this together. And if if y'all don't exactly know what we're talking about, go back and watch some of the access chats where we featured some of his team because Ricardo's new to the team, but Ricardo's not new to our industry. He's been a global leader for years. So I'm fascinated with what you are doing. And I know that I'm. I don't, I get no money from ATOS, but 
Uh, the reason why I'm bragging about ATOS is because this is the way we change the world. We get everybody included in the conversations because being inclusive is not just accessibility. There's a whole lot of moving parts. So yeah. I just want to compliment yeah. you. Thank you. I, I, th I think, and I, what what was interesting, I had a conversation a couple of years back, sat down with one of our like really top leaders. He, and he said, if we're so bad, Neil, why do you stay? <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, it, it, I said, because of scale, because actually working for an organization that touches so many, right? And the Googles and the Microsofts are doing amazing work, right? And they do have scale, but also they have, it's, it's, fairly sort of constrained they're, they're product companies or advertising companies they've got you know, multiple different products but but as a systems integrator we get to influence everything we get to see what's going on and, and we're right in in the mix so it's what keeps it interesting and 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 i was open with him i said i'm using atos as much as you're using me in the I'm using the leverage of uh, the scale of this organization to, to implement systemic change. And so, you know, I'll put up with our bureaucracy and our processes and all of the stuff that you get, which, by the way, is the same in every large organization. We're all bloated and inefficient and all the rest of it, because that's what happens when you throw hundreds of thousands of people together for across hundreds of countries and all over the place. So yeah, you have to put up with it. You can, you know, fix it from the inside, but also use that scale and that scope and those connections to be able to, to take it to the next level in a way that you can't do by fixing one website. You know, I'm the worst web accessibility expert on the planet. I'm, I'm, you know, there are people that are much better than me. In fact, all of the apprentices that have come through our program are much better than me. I think, I think it's important in, in this, what you're saying, <clears throat> I think it's very important to make accessibility viral, right? We talk all the time, we talk about how to scale. And obviously, what you're saying is totally right. I mean, we can't go around trying to fix individual websites for documents it's it, it doesn't make any sense it's impossible because the rate at which we could do that is way way smaller the rate that more and more digital content is created right so it so how do we do that right so we need to i think it's important that we have all these conversations with all the people that need to be involved and the word is racing how do we create that well we need to i think sometimes that we need to convert people we need to Turn people, all the people that do something digital, that play some role in digital, in, in eventually creating applications, websites, documents, videos, whatever, to turn them into converts. Okay. Because that's, I mean, unless something clicks inside, uh, it's hard that you do it, right? If there's no conviction in what you do, this doesn't make any sense. And how do you achieve that conviction? Well, that's probably by making something that has to do more with uh, emotion change inside. And we've seen this all the time, right? So, yeah, yeah, accessibility, the web content accessibility guidelines. So, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, the boring stuff. 
And when you show an example of a person with a disability that finally can do something, it's like, oh, this is so, this is so important. Now I get it. Yes, this we really need to work on this, right? So it's the emotional, you know, the emotional cog there inside all of us that that, that clicks, right? That uh, triggers everything else or may trigger everything else, right? So how do we make that happen at scale with all of the people that actually play some role within a workflow, creating, authoring content or approving content, designing, right? Uh, the task is huge, but I think it's it's actually the only way, right? To 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 uh, to generate the critical mass of awareness mm -hmm. among the, the community of people working in digital. It is the only way. I agree. To, it's the only way. Yeah. Uh, and add that, and, you know, I, and Antonio, I, there is a critical piece because of communications, right? How right? do you communicate that so that it pierces you? Uh, it pierces uh, your I, emotional. Cog. I know that we have you know, many friends and people in our networks that run accessibility events, but for me, that's not the place where the people that want to make change usually go. Correct. So we need to be able to be at places where decision makers go, attend, and because they are the ones that we, that we need to talk with, where they, they can then, when they go back to their organizations, they can go from the top down and say, oh, we need to do this. So instead of having a lead of accessibility trying to make an internal case, uh, internally, it's better if it's someone that leads an organization that goes down their organization and asks, please do this. Please move in this direction. I think it's, it, it helps when you are able to, when you succeed uh, on that matter. Yeah. I agree, Antonio. And the reality is we haven't been doing that in our industry. And that's why our industry is failing. There are people that want us to stop calling our industry accessibility and, and uh, disability inclusion. So I think we need to take a look at the corporate leaders that are making it a real difference. And I think ATOS is doing amazing work. So I'm sorry to brag about you, Neil. Sorry. Well, it's not just me. You should be I know. I know. I've met your team. The whole team. Right? And then, you know, they're just the ones you've met because there are right. a whole bunch more. That, but uh, everyone I've met have blown me away because I, I'm going to use your word. They were curious. And I'm a very curious person. I am so curious and I'm sure I'm obnoxious, but yeah. So kudos, kudos. And I know that we've gone long. So let, uh, I want you to make sure we thank our sponsors and supporters, but also um, Ricardo, we want to give you, you know, last chance to uh, comment too, but welcome to the ATOS team also from me. Um, thank you. I'm excited about what you're doing, and that's why I really needed to twist Neil's arm to do this um, one today because he's like, oh, we don't want to brag, but I need y'all to brag because I want the other companies to see what we're bragging about because this is the way forward, which is what Ricardo said a little while ago. Well, thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you so much for your kind words. And uh, I'm looking back at when we met like 10 years ago or something or more. And uh, this, you know, when this whole conversation started and well, all this, uh, you know, um, um, links and all these uh, dot connections started and uh, 
all that's been created since then through all these relationships and all these connections. It's so amazing. One day we, we are making progress. Map that out, right? Because yeah. that's yeah, we that's are incredible. making progress. Yeah, yeah. But we're doing really proud of that, together. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of us, the whole community and how it's mm -hmm. grown, right? And then all of us contributing in one way or the other across the world, right? And, and you see all the conversations that are going on right now with, with the current situation, unfortunately, mm -hmm. East Europe and, and, and people getting on the move and, and helping and lending a hand. And it's, it's amazing. Right. And yeah, this is the way we do it too. Together. So Neil, we'll give it back to you so you thank can you. thank our supporters. Um, thank you, Ricardo. Thank you, Deborah, Antonio. Thank you, my clear text for keeping us captioned. Great conversation. Hope I didn't monopolize it too much. Really passionate about the topic. So thanks and look forward to taking this to Twitter on Tuesday. I agree. And I will say, Neil, that I know it's not fun to brag or to, but the reality is we need to tell the stories because we all know, yeah, sorry that Atos is getting all this positive conversation, but the reality is we have got to figure out how to move forward so that everybody's included. I think yeah. that it, how can y'all not, everybody's got to know this, right? With all the losses we've sustained, the pandemic, the war, we must we must be the change we want to see in the world. So yeah. I thank Super. your team for doing that. Thank you.